But what other names, like when you think of famous villains in in like movies, oh. who do you think of? Okay, off the top of my head. Yeah. Give me Ursula. <laughs> Give me okay, wait, wait, hold on. From Any, The Little Mermaid, anyone, yeah. Anyone, anyone. Absolutely. You think of Ursula. She stole her voice. <laughs> Contractually obligated, too. I know, I know. That is <laughs> but like, sinister, like Sarah. I'm, I'm talking like anyone in any type of movie. She's up there, Ursula. probably. Okay. <laughs> Ursula, yeah. In fact, <laughs> welcome to the Rom-Com Rewind Podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Devin. And like you, I love rewatching movies over and over again. You are here made it to us. You love romantic comedies. We do as well. So this is a show where we rewatch rom-coms, break them down a bit for you, maybe take a peek behind the curtain, dig beneath the surface, and decide, does it still hold up? Today we have The, the Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. And if you uh, hear anything on this podcast that you want to reach out about, you want to talk more about on any episode, Sarah responds to 100% of our DMs on Instagram, at Romcom Rewind. Hit us up on uh, TikTok as well at the same. And as well, one thing that you can do for us that would be so, so great would be if you could just leave a review wherever you're listening right now. We got a review uh, a little while ago that said, uh, movies are my life, basically, and rom-coms are what I view the most. So I was so happy to find this podcast uh, a while back. These two are so funny, and Devin's voice sounds just like my ex. <laughs> and I still make sure to never miss an episode each week. So that should tell you how good this podcast is. Weird that she's like, I had to overcome the whole <laughs> Devin sounds like my ex thing. And I'm really happy. I'm really happy they did. <laughs> Thank you for overcoming that. And if you have anything you want to share about this podcast, you want to give us five stars, that would be amazing. Please do that. The Princess Bride. Whew, this one's a doozy. It is our Valentine's Day episode, so happy happy Valentine's Day. It's a 1987 fantasy adventure romantic comedy directed and co-produced by Rob Rayner, uh, who is also responsible for Spinal Tap. Mm -hmm. Much like Spinal Tap, The Princess Bride has made its way into cult classic territory. It's set up as like this grandfather reading a tale to his sick grandson. Peter Falk played uh, the grandfather. Fred Savage is the grandson. And the tale is that of Princess Buttercup. Or she's not Princess Buttercup yet. She's played by Robin Wright. She falls in love with her farmhand, Wesley, played by Carrie Elways. Wesley goes off into the world to seek his fortune before returning to Buttercup. However, she learns of Wesley's death soon after. Now, years later, Buttercup is set to wed uh, Florence Prince Humperdinck, played by Chris Sarandon, before being captured by the likes of Vizzini, Fessick, and Inigo Montoya, played by Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, and Mandy Patinkin, respectively. What are your thoughts for The Princess Bride? That's your lead-in for this iconic movie. I brought you a special present. What is it? It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you. It was a time when life didn't seem so complicated. Marriage is what brings us together today. What? 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 I'm killing myself once we reach the honeymoon suite. Wouldn't that be nice? Hmm? A courtly age. Of gentle conversation. I won't always come for you. But how can you be sure? This is true love. This movie is inconceivably good. <laughs> nice. Wow. <laughs> well done. Okay, well so it's both a, a fairy tale romance with writing that is impeccably funny, um, 
it's really like a fantastic rom-com. It's also great for the whole family to watch. Um, and I have to say, like, the cast is out of this world. Um, I have to add, this is probably the top five best kisses for me in a rom-com as really? well. Really? Yes, the ending kiss. Yeah, yeah. They were able to develop characters in, honestly, only an hour and a half. And some characters weren't even in the movie that long. But they added to the story. They didn't take away from the story. No plot lines, you know, on the side. Side storylines were bigger than the main. Like, they, it all contributed to the main storyline along the way. Um, I just thought that was so, so fantastic. And it's very hard to do. It also has some iconic lines that are still you know, brought up today in, in memes, social media, all, all the time. Inconceivable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's truly, um, it's truly stood the test of time. I, I find it very hard to place this movie because it is like, it's like Robin Hood men in tights, mm -hmm. Carrie always, of course, but like meets Monty Python yes. meets like the princess diaries is kind of like the mm -hmm. vibe. It's, I don't think there's anything exactly like this film in the way that it's done. No, you know? I, I think you're right. I, I do think of the Mon Monty Python, like the coconuts. Yeah. With the with horses. <laughs> like I do. And I mean, yeah. I, they're obviously they're different movies, but um, yeah, it's like a parody of fairy tale worlds. Right. And a satire completely. But it's so tough. OK, so I think this film is a class act on duality of what you're talking mm -hmm. about, because in every single <laughs> scene, it can be both like a little stupid, very <laughs> silly, but also remarkably clever. And, and, it and catches intelligent. You off. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it'll catch you off guard. And mm -hmm. you might think in some scenes like, wow, this is really low budget. And then you're like, <laughs> but it's also so thoughtful in yeah. the next moment. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Mm -hmm. But then there are moments where they're talking about love in certain parts of the plot where you think like, wow, they actually did put a lot of serious thought into this. It's a hard film to pin down. It's kind of like everything all at once. And it's all these really small, subtle, simple uh, scenes mm -hmm. with so little to them. Some of them are just like, you could tell in the writing room, they're like, this is a silly concept, but <laughs> let's just keep writing. Let's just see where it goes. Obviously it's based on a novel, but yeah. like some of these things are just so silly and with perfect writing and excellent and execution. I was just going to say an execution. Magic happens. Yes. Absolutely. Like how did, yeah. how are they making this so funny? The cult classic. It is completely a cult classic. Like it, it has its own genre of a world that is so wonderful. <laughs> it, uh, you ready for Devin's classic, uh, food analogy for this one? Uh, yeah. Hit me. <laughs> <clears throat> this film in past movies we've described as, you know, chicken noodle soup because it's good for the soul or carnival food or a nice steak and potatoes. Okay. The princess bride is, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm pulling from something in my own life. This is Devin's oh. world famous French toast recipe. Oh my God. Okay. okay. Do you disagree that I make a you impeccable French toast? You do French make toast? really good French toast. You it's do. a fun fact about your friend, Devin. A <laughs> um, little bit of vanilla, cinnamon, uh, a little special ingredient that you will never know. But here's the thing. It's so damn simple. Does my brilliant French toast recipe rival <laughs> some of the best meals I've ever had? Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Just because it's low budget... It's efficient. It's a simple mix of ingredients, but it's perfect. It is really The way good. that mix all meshes together. In this film, there are times where I'm like, 
guys. They they spent no money outside <laughs> of the actors on this movie, but like, but it's so good. Like, I don't understand how good it is. It's you know? true. It's true. I mean, you know what? I think all the money went to Billy Crystal's makeup. <laughs> Because like, if you didn't know Honestly. that that was Billy Crystal, I didn't. Know. I mean, I had. I yes, I, I did tell you. I was like, did you know that Billy Crystal's in this movie? And and Devin's like, uh, where? Miracle Max. But you know what? It was the voice. The voice yes. did. Once you said it, I'm like, that that does make sense. But it like it doesn't matter how simple this <laughs> film is or how simple my amazing French toast is to make. The fact <laughs> is, it tastes amazing when you eat it, it and does. that's all that matters. Let's dive right in. So as you mentioned, Grandfather comes over to read to his grandson a book, and it's called The Princess Bride. As you mentioned as well, uh, Buttercup is a girl who lives on a farm, and she has fallen in love with her farm boy, as she calls him, who works there. And uh, they fall madly in love. His name is Wesley, and he doesn't have any money. So to marry her, he runs off and tries to you know, make something of himself and tries to get some money. They do tee up their love really quickly where... Yeah. Buttercup requests things. She gives him tasks, <laughs> yes. and he always says, "As, as you, you wish. wish." And I love one thing I love about this movie is they don't explain it. The grandfather's just like that day. She was amazed to discover that when he was saying "as you wish," what he meant was "I love you." <laughs> yeah, I that's know. all the explanation you need. They love each other, and that's his way of saying "I love you." Exactly. Cool. Sounds good. He goes off to win his fortune she to does. to earn her love. I guess. Yeah, and I think to be able to like provide for her. Hear this now. I will always come for you. But how can you be sure? This is true love. I think this happens every day. Um, Wesley was murdered um, <laughs> and died in a, and, and died in a pirate attack. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and Buttercup was heartbroken, and she she said she'd never love again. The Dread Pirate Roberts is the yes, person who Dread killed Pirate Wesley. Roberts. Yes. Five years goes by, and. Um, she is getting married or engaged to the prince. And throughout this movie, from this point on, she's actually known as Princess Buttercup, even though she's never actually, she hasn't actually married the prince yet. The prince got to choose who he married and he chose Buttercup. And so she was sad though, because she does not love him. And she has made it abundantly clear to the prince um, that she does not love him and won't love him. Uh, her only joy though, is her rides on the horse. So she doesn't know how to um, ride horses. Horse ride? What is it? Ride horses? Yeah, she can ride a horse. She can ride a horse. Why are you making that weird? <laughs> <laughs> can we redo it? No, no you're going to keep it in. Fine, whatever. <laughs> it's because I only wrote <laughs> her only joy was her rides. <laughs> Ooh. I forgot horses. Anyway. Interesting, Sarah. I was riding fast. Okay. Okay, so. Mind in the gutter, perhaps? No. <laughs> on one of her rides. On yeah. one of her horse rides. <laughs> Buttercup. <laughs> While riding her horse. Thank you. That's <laughs> well put. Buttercup runs into three men um, who say that they're circus performers and they need her help and ask if there's a village nearby. And she says, no, there's nothing for miles. They kidnap her. Right. They were checking to see how far, like if anybody could hear her scream. They are, that's Vizzini. Fessick and Inigo Montoya. <laughs> yes. And one thing we're going to do with this podcast, there are so many quick facts. Oh, there are. Throughout so this movie. Mm -hmm. Like I'm talking hundreds. So what we're going to do is there are a few things that you notice as you go through the film that I'll just 
interject with that would typically be found in Sarah's quick facts because me too. there's going to be a whole load yeah. in the actual quick facts section. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So one thing I found interesting in this movie, and this is factual, all of the main characters are introduced in the first seven minutes of the film. We oh, have officially cool. met everybody we need to meet mm-hmm. who's like extremely pertinent to the plot. Love that. <laughs> so they actually um, kidnap her to start a war and they have the, they have a plan to kill her. That's kind of their their ultimate end goal. They sail away, and they think they've gotten away with no one following them. But that's not true. Someone is. They get to these these cliffs that they're going, the cliffs of insanity. And they're going to climb the cliffs of insanity up the mountainside, up to the very top. They use the big guy, Andre the Giant. They use Fezzik to um, get themselves up there using a rope. And he carries all three of them. And it turns out that the man following them is a mystery masked man. And he starts climbing the rope behind them and is gaining on them. You mention uh, Fessick. Yes. Played by Andre the Giants. Mm. Now, this movie had a long development. Yeah. Who yes, else around this uh, time period that this film came out, 1987, they had a number of different people mm. in for the role. Okay. Any ideas? So I heard, I know one of them was, um, was it Arnold Schwarzenegger? Arnold. Yeah. So here's the thing. They were planning on this movie back in the 70s, at which point Arnold Schwarzenegger was like an unknown. And now in 1987, when they're actually doing the movie, he's too big, big of a star. They oh, can't they hire him. him. They couldn't get him anymore. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's okay. a basketball player, yeah, he's a yeah, Hall yeah. of Fame basketball player, was up <laughs> for the role, which I find funny because That's I actually, cool. I thought like, you know, Would it be weird for Shaq to do this role? Like, I could see Shaq doing it because they did want a certain body archetype. Right, yes. Liam Neeson was up for the role, and I guess Rob Rayner was like, you're only six foot four. (laughs) No, no, no. Not good enough. They they wanted somebody just unbelievably big. Well, and and I think in a way, like, it's weird because it's, it's, I don't know if this was, well, obviously it was intentional. They wanted somebody very tall, um, somebody, um, you know, around, let's say, 5'11", and then they wanted somebody who was shorter, Vizzini. I wonder if it, like, it, it, to me, the, it kind of coincides with the the three big, three little bears. Oh, is like that Goldilocks what? Goldilocks and the three, what is it? Goldilocks and... Goldilocks and the three bears. Yes, okay. Goldilocks and it's the three, three bears. bears yeah. yeah, I don't know why. But there's a, a, a daddy bear, a papa yes, bear. Yes, a, I just like, for some bear, reason, when they were all standing there saying they were circus performers, I was <laughs> like, are they looking for a house to see how the porridge is? <laughs> like, <laughs> was that where your mind went originally? Like, this feels like a nursery rhyme. <laughs> I mean, it is a fairy tale. <laughs> That's true. That is true. So Vizzini starts cutting the rope and the masked man falls, but catches to the side of the cliff and he yells, inconceivable. Oh my God, Kay. This is going to be my honorable mention. So I'll come back to it, but it's all the memeable moments in this film. There are so many things that have lived on, especially in pop culture and in social media and on TikTok and and that one, yeah, when Inigo, when, when uh, he's like, inconceivable. And he, he Vizzini, said it a few times. Yeah. He didn't fall? Inconceivable. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. It's just these quick, clever little lines that get you through this whole movie. It's not like there's one thing that's outrageously funny. Mm. It's just like little quick (laughs) nicks and cuts that you're like, oh, shit. Oh, that's funny, too. You know, and and what we're about to hear when Vizzini takes Fessick and they yep. take Buttercup and they're like, all right, we're going to get the F out of town. And you go, you're going to wait until this guy gets up here and you're going to sword fight him. 
Yeah, and, and you're going to kill him. You're going to kill him. And <laughs> just the dialogue between Dread Pirate Roberts is the one right. chasing after yes. them. And Inigo Montoya being like, hey, do you need a hand? And <laughs> Dread Pirate Roberts is like, I don't really trust you. And he's like, well, I'm an honorable guy. You know, <laughs> they're just yelling back and forth like, you're taking a little while. I am an impatient man. It's like, well, I'm I'm <laughs> climbing, yeah. so <laughs> you better wait for me. And he's like, uh, yeah, but I'm going to kill you when you get up here. And he's like, yeah, well, I'll uh, be able to fight you faster if you <laughs> get me up there. <laughs> yeah. This was actually my best scene. Oh, really? Because oh, it was just, scene. Oh, I'm sorry. you explained it very well. Um, it was just such quick, quick wit and such fantastic dialogue. It, it, it told such a story in such a short amount of time and words. And I actually like was laughing out loud with the dialogue. I thought it was hilarious. So yeah, it was my best scene. And then dread pirate Roberts gets to the top of this mountain, him and Inigo Montoya stand off. Yes. He is based, Dread Pirate Roberts, off of somebody else in pop culture. Yes, he is. Do you know who? I Well, I have an idea. I mean, the masked man. Yes. I feel like it might have some Zorro vibes. 100%. The legend of Zorro was kind of the, the vision there to recreate that. But there is so many interesting things about this sword fight. The people they hired, okay. first of all, they hired a guy named Bob Anderson, who was mm -hmm. also the choreographer for Star Wars. Cool. But... Anderson was taught defense by a person named, I'm going to mess this up, Ecos Moldovani, okay. the last man in Europe to preside a saber duel. Cool. Right? That's, That's awesome. who they got to choreograph this. <laughs> That's cool. And there's, there's another person, too, who was involved, Peter Diamond. Between uh, Peter Diamond and Bob Anderson, they had been to the Olympics, worked on James Bond, worked on Lord of the Rings, oh. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars. Like That's awesome. It's, it's back to the duality of this film. Like, let's be real. Mm -hmm. This sword fight was so low budget. Yeah. But they had <laughs> this amazing choreographer for it. And it's like they're fighting with flimsy swords, but yes. it's so well done at the same time well and i know for this particular fight they did all their own stunts like they fought they learned the choreography for this fight what i found interesting they even added in some gymnastics <laughs> what i found most interesting was um the set and and i'll get you know i'll talk more about it in my honorable mentions because it is the stage setting that I want to honorably mention, but it's that when they do some of the backflips and some of the gymnastics pieces in this scene, you can actually tell they're landing on mats. Oh, because the mats move a little bit. Yes, they move. <laughs> the dust pops up. Like yeah. you just like if you actually look, you can see that the set. <laughs> I never noticed like, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's hilarious when you're watching it. You're like, oh, <laughs> Good thing they had that mat there. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. Another thing to watch out for in this uh, sword fight, both of them, to start off the fight, pretend to be left-handed. Oh, right. Yes. So, that's and so here's... funny. Here's, yeah, I know. It's so random. <laughs> such a little, like, cute little piece. Well, and but there was a lot of thought put into uh -huh, it because... Yeah. <clears throat> I guess... So, the thought process here is that Dread Pirate Roberts, he is already aware that Inigo Montoya is not left-handed because oh. Inigo wears his scabbard on his left hip ah. and he grabs his sword with his right hand. He also gestures throughout the conversation with his right hand, suggesting that it would be dominant. Whereas Wesley wears his sword on his right hip. He draws it with his left hand and he uses, if you watch, he uses his left hand to pull off his boot, and when he's offered Inigo Montoya's sword that was from his father, he takes it with his left hand, implying 
that Dread Pirate Roberts was much more well thought out mm. with committing to the ruse. Right. You know? Right. So the sword fight though, they're they're just chatting, telling each other about how good they are. You are wonderful. Thank you. I've worked hard to become so. I admitted you are better than I am. Then why are you smiling? Because I know something you don't know. And what is that? I am not left-handed. Dread Pirate Roberts, Dread Sarah. Pirate Roberts, he wins the fight, knocks him out so he's not followed, and he continues on his way after Fezzik and Vizzini, and of course Buttercup. Vizzini sees that the that Dread Pirate Roberts is on their hot on their trail after Buttercup and inconceivable. Oh my so God. he leaves Fezzik so behind to take care of Dread Pirate Roberts. Fezzik is caught up to by Dread Pirate Roberts and defeated by Dread Pirate Roberts. So now it's just it's just Vizzini is the last person he needs to take care of. So Dread Pirate Roberts, they get into like this nice little rolling hills plateau. Princess Buttercup is there blindfolded. There's like a table set up. And so Dread Pirate Roberts sits down at the table and he agrees on something with Vizzini, a little um, kind of like a riddle to decide who wins and who loses mm -hmm. because that is Vizzini's skill, right? He's not big and strong like Andre the Giant. He's not a sword Skills. fighter like Inigo Montoya. Yeah, but so, he has intellect. This is my best scene. Oh, okay. It's... Wait, no, sorry. This is not my best scene. This was going to be my best scene. Okay. If, if you <laughs> I was going to say, it is a really scene. good scene. Man, it's so good. <laughs> it's it's so good because the just the one line always gets me. So uh, Dread Pirate Roberts decides, listen, uh, there's two cups here. I'll poison one of these cups. And then, you know, you choose the one you choose with your intellect. And, uh, and whoever dies, dies. And Vizzini... <laughs> like they already queue up that his character is very like he's got a he's got a motor that's always running he's always very loud and boisterous and just talking things out and and so he starts like talking out who okay well if you think i'm a if you think i'm a wise man then it must be in your cup now a clever man would put the poison into his own goblet because he would know that only a great fool would reach for what he was given i'm not a great fool so i can clearly not choose the wine in front of you but you must have known i was not a great fool you would have counted on it, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. You've made your decision then? <laughs> not remotely. Eventually, Dread Pirate Robert says, And Australia is entirely peopled with criminals. And criminals are used to having people not trust them as you are not trusted by me, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of you. Truly, you have a dizzying intellect. Wait till I get going! <laughs> and then he continues on. It's just, like, back to the whole, like, these quick little lines that just, they catch you off guard. They're so funny, and they're also so, like, subtly placed. Oh, yeah. And, and like, just so well-written for... The, the characters, too. Like, the delivery of that was so well done. So funny. Um, fun fact, Iocane powder is actually a fictional poison. Oh, so yes. it was all made up. Yes. And Dread Pirate Roberts survives because he's been <laughs> building an immunity, a fake immunity, I guess, to this poison. So really, he just poisoned both the glasses. Vizzini dies. Yes. He now has... Buttercup. Princess Buttercup. Yes, all the while the prince has made it to this, um, the place where they're at as well with his knights and um, on horseback in there. He's also searching for Buttercup. Oh, the prince, yes. Prince Humperdinck is on their trail the whole time. Buttercup and, and um, Dread Pirate Roberts are sitting, they're talking, they're resting, and she says, oh, are you a pirate? And he said, oh, yeah, like, I'm that pirate. And 
She says, you killed my love. Don't you remember him? And she said, he says, oh, yeah, I think I do. And they argue. And she pushes him down the hill. And he, and he yells, as you wish. She realizes that it's her Wesley and tumbles down right after him. They, of course, embrace. And he asks, you know, why didn't you wait for me? Well, you were dead. Death cannot stop true love. All it can do is delay it for a while. This movie's kind of silly. But some of the lines are really like, wow, that's kind of heartfelt, guys. I'm like, I'm, I'm in on the love. They're deep. They're it's a little deep. ridiculous. They both roll down the hill just in such fashion. <laughs> yes. I'm like, this is I know. I was like, Jack crazy. and Jill went up the hill yeah. <laughs> to fetch pale water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they see the prince and uh, the knights coming. And to escape them, they run into the fire swamp. And it is literally like fire shot up like in in the air from the ground and you know they talk about oh no how will they get away and there's a ship waiting for them it's kind of like one of those um like if you go to like uh, disneyland or anything and you do those like those walking tours where there's like yes. like like just like yeah. steam vents going up and you can't actually touch them right yeah. kind of feels like that there's just like flames jumping <laughs> up at places as they walk through this place and like the pyrotechnics are just hilarious. Oh. They're like, I keep on saying hilarious just because it's so silly. It is. Um, And so she asks him like, okay, are you the dread pirate Roberts? Like, how did you become him? Like what happened? And I guess he goes through saying the, you know, the real, there's actually like a, a little bit of a ruse. Um, and a ruse. Uh, an R-O-U-S. <laughs> no, but I'll get to the R-O-U-S's shortly. But um. <laughs> The real Pirate Roberts uh, grew so rich and he retired, but so did the other guy before him and so did the other guy before him. And so it ends up being a little bit of a cycle. And as soon as Wesley finds Buttercup, um, he can then retire and pass on the pirate ship and um, the duties of Dread Pirate Roberts on to someone else. Um, and, and she says, you know, the name inspires fear and he agrees and he explains how, you know, what what he plans to do. But what other names, like when you think of famous villains in in like movies oh who do you think of okay off the top of my head yeah give me ursula <laughs> give me okay, wait wait hold on from Any, the little mermaid anyone, yeah anyone anyone absolutely you think of ursula she stole her voice <laughs> contractually obligated too. i know i know that is <laughs> but like sinister like sarah I'm, I'm talking like anyone in any type of movie she's up there ursula. probably okay <laughs> ursula yeah in fact <laughs> You know what? A fictional octopus lady. Yeah, yeah, an octopus lady. Tentacle lady. Now that I'm thinking about it, oh Disney villains are pretty bad because Jafar's are, up there are. too. Jafar, he imprisons oh my God, I the cried. genie again. Did you say you cried? No, that I meant I, that was the Lion King. Oh, you cried at the Lion King? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Aladdin isn't that sad. Sarah. No, the Lion King. <laughs> you, you cried when... Mufasa. Mufasa died. Okay, you know what? Can we can we have a quick sidebar here? Okay. Because we have we have a young son, yes. seven months old, as mm -hmm. the recording of this podcast. <laughs> Do we even like I, I'm noticing a lot of old Disney and animated films are really heavy content for kids. Um, yeah, I will never watch The Fox and the Hound again. Yeah. I've talked about this on the The Fox and the Hound. Uh, Bambi, the yeah, spoiler no. alert, the mom dies like right away. Yeah, that won't be happening. Yeah. Even The Lion King, like that's one of my most beloved ones. But like, yo, Mufasa, Scar just... Scar. He, Mufasa gets trampled, guys. Yeah, I was five when I went to see that. And that's, I have to say, I... That's a lot. ...balled my eyes out. <laughs> that's a lot for a kid. Yeah. That was my very first movie I ever went to, and I cried my eyes out. 
And my mom's like, why are you crying? I was like, because it's so sad. But mom, you you brought me to this movie. <laughs> like, this is intense. Don't get me started on the land before time or anything. Oh, my God. Those stop are it. sad, too. <gasps> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I digress. Anyway, I anyway, digress. Okay. Uh, villains. We're on villains. Ursula. All right. So, yeah, okay. I wanna go, tier I want to go through some of the top villains in cinematic history, and then you rank them. So, there's 10 of them, and you can do your top five, because 10's a lot to remember. So, your 10, Ursula did not make the cut. No, Ursula okay. didn't make fine, the fine. cut. We have Hannibal Lecter. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's we, the kind we took of line this a different direction. Thinking, did we ever? <laughs> One eats people, the other stole a voice, I guess. Wow. Which she gets back in the end. They don't have their bodies. <laughs> They're not alive. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Ursula and Hannibal Lecter are not quite on the same level. Okay. The Joker. Yeah. Wait, which Joker? There's like four. Heath Ledger Joker. Okay. <laughs> We know which one you prefer. Norman Bates, Psycho. Okay. Pennywise. Oh. Yeah. The Shark from Jaws. Okay. Darth Vader, Freddy Krueger, Emperor Palpatine. Okay. Voldemort. Vo- okay. And Jason. Um, I'm so gonna not Ursula. <clears throat> no, not Ursula. <laughs> I'm gonna say, like Palpatine's a bigger villain than Vader, so Palpatine's okay. in. Yeah. Uh, Voldemort's in mm. He Who Shall Not Be Named. Right. I know. All. I was going to say that first. Jesus. And then I know. Tom Riddle. And then probably Hannibal Lecter. Like the. Okay. That's three. The Clarice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's. Yeah. Actually, I think um, I was just reading a thing that he, he like holds a record for the least amount of screen time while still getting an Academy Award nomination. Wow. Because he's only in the film for like. 10 minutes or something. That's crazy. But his performance was so strong. Yeah. So yeah, Hannibal Lecter, okay. Palpatine, uh, he who shall not be named. Mm-hmm. Buttercup gets sucked up into a sand hole. Oh, do you agree with my picks? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, hold on. <laughs> Dude, I totally forgot. I mean, I'm fine with you picking only three. I probably would have thrown, you know, Shark from Jaws in there. Um, oh, he's just a he's just an animal. do Yo, the song makes him scarier. Right? Dread Pirate Roberts, much scarier name than Humperdinck, ah, yes. for or the example. Ho- or Hook. I was going to add Hook in there. Oh. Dread Pirate Roberts, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the six-fingered man who's also in this. Yes, definitely. So let's get back to them in the fire swamp. Buttercup gets sucked up by a sand hole. And, of course, Wesley dives, dives in after her. And a giant rat, or a ruse, which is a rodent of unusual size... They attack Wesley after he saves Buttercup from the sand hole, and um, he defeats them, obviously, <laughs> with just a swing of a sword. They are very, like, I, okay, I have to say, they, it's in my quick facts, but they are, there are humans in those suits. Wait, sorry, there are humans in what? The rodents of unusual size. There are humans in those? Yes. How? And that is Rob Rayner's voice. Making the noises. He almost lost his voice. Wow. Doing them. Yep. yep. Weren't they just like. Yeah. That's okay. I think it just got <laughs> Rob into. <laughs> the director hopped into a sound booth and yes. was like. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? What? It's. Have you ever seen like behind the scenes of Guardians of the Galaxy? No. I don't know why they did this, but the character of Groot. Yeah. All he says is, I am Groot. Isn't that. It's Vin, Vin Diesel. Diesel. Yeah. And there are all these clips of him like saying like in a sound booth and he's just like, I am Groot. <laughs> it's just strange to see Vin Diesel just do like a million cuts um, of the yeah, same three words. We're used to him driving fast cars. 
<laughs> and then, yeah, and now he's a big tree that says three words. It's very... Actually, he's a teenager right now. He, he's not an adult tree. Vin Diesel has a very odd career, like, breadth of characters. I mean, he's just sticking to the cars right now. Uh, he's just sticking to the cars and, and the tree. Yeah. Hey, he's probably making millions doing that. I would like to be a tree, too. I'm picturing, like, 40 years from now, like, Grandpa, how did you get your fable? I just drove cars and I played a tree. So they make it through the fire swamp and the prince is waiting on the other side for them. He tells prince them, Humperdinck. Yes, they tell he tells them to surrender and Wesley won't surrender, but Buttercup realizes that they will kill him. So she says, "If I return with you, will you not harm him?" And of course, the prince says, "Yes, I will not harm him." Little does she know. He's lying. He's been taken captive and he's being held in the pit of despair. We do notice something in this scene. Uh Wesley does remark. Yes. Humperdinck's henchman he has. remarks that he has six fingers yeah. because Inigo Montoya told Wesley this story of a six fingered man who killed his father. And that's kind of Inigo Montoya's whole thing. He's like, as soon as I meet that guy, I'm going to tell him my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That's important. It is very important. <laughs> that's important in a bit. So the pit of despair where Wesley is tortured is actually a new creation. It replaces the zoo of death from the book, which would have been too expensive to create for the movie. Oh, interesting. Yes. There is a man who um, nurses uh, Wesley back to uh, back to health. He gets him back to health so that he can be tortured by the prince. We actually know this, the name of the six-fingered man. His name is Tyrone. And while walking in the forest with Tyrone, uh, we realize that the princess was actually kidnapped by the three men, but they were actually hired by the prince. The prince actually wants to kill Buttercup. He is the one that wants her to die because he wants a, a war with the neighboring, um, I guess, kingdom, Gilder. And um, now, because she's still alive, he's just going to kill her on their wedding night. The wedding day has arrived and the prince has asked uh, that the forest be cleared of all the thieves and um, one in particular thief uh, won't leave. And that is um, Inigo Montoya. So Fessick reveals to Inigo Montoya like, hey, six fingered man, he's actually in the castle. They decide we're going to storm the castle and they need one person to help them. Inigo Montoya was bested in a duel by Wesley. So they strike out to find Wesley, and he actually uses his father's sword to, like, <laughs> guide him. Yeah, as a Guides compass. him straight to the pit of despair, um, where they break Wesley out. But he is so, um, they even make the joke that he's, like, mostly dead. He's mostly dead. So they bring Wesley to Max. Miracle Max. The healer, played by Billy Crystal, <laughs> who is such a character. Yes. Um, he actually, I mean, they, they have this big, long scene with Max. Max is just being ridiculous apparently the director had to like leave some of those scenes because he was cracking up so much yes he actually at one point i think this yeah became nauseous because he was laughing so hard but a lot of the dialogue from this scene or billy crystal's character was ad-libbed and didn't appear in the script and miracle max agrees to you know help wesley get back to life and wesley he he comes back but with very little motor function for the first <laughs> bit he's still getting into it so yeah so Fessick needs to like drag him and carry him around yes and on the on the other side buttercup realizes that the prince never sent the four ships and she is still convinced that wesley will save her from having to marry the prince Fezzik, inigo and 
Wesley, storm the castle by pretending to be the pirate in a cloak on fire. It's really funny. And the wedding is underway. The prince wants the priest to skip to the very end because he realizes there's something going on outside and he wants to marry her so that he can then kill her. And (laughs) the priest presiding over the marriage was inspired by a famous Chicago rabbi who gave William Goldman the giggles before because he had a speech impediment. And (laughs) this scene is hilarious. This was almost going to be one of my best scenes, too. Well, it is a best scene of mine, but um, because it is so funny. The priest, I just feel like there could be... So many social media memes, if not already, of this scene. It's quite funny. So they are married, and then we get to the most quotable scene. I mean, one of the most quotable lines. It is Inigo Montoya, Wesley, and Fessick. They're kind of mm-hmm. going through the chambers in the castle trying to find Buttercup, Humperdinck, somebody, and then they come face-to-face with the six-fingered man. And the line... Ladies and gentlemen, is delivered. <laughs> Nigo Montoya looks at the six-fingered man and he says, Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> this is my best scene. It's the best line. So the camera's on Inigo Montoya. It's this iconic moment. We jump back to the six-fingered man. A two-second pause. <laughs> and then he just runs. <laughs> You're expecting this big... Yeah, the ultimate duel. Yeah, oh my God, it's going to be... He just Fs Pieces off. God, goodbye. Bye. And you go Montoya, pauses for a second, and then he runs after him. <laughs> um, so that's where they go. Fessick leaves Wesley in a hallway because Anigo Montoya, like a door gets locked, so he needs to get, get him to help budget. I've got a question for you. Mandy Patinkin has mm-hmm. said that he gets this line quoted back to him two, three times <laughs> Every single day. That's so funny. What do you think are some other, like, every time this guy's walking down the street, somebody's like, hey, 60% of the time it works every time. You know, I think about Paul Rudd in Anchorman. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, Like Wayne Gretzky, you miss 100% of the shots you don't oh take. Oh, my God. Right? I feel like that would be quoted to him. 100%. Yeah. Um, Lindsay Lohan, Mean Girls. Um, I asked him what day it was. He said it was October 3rd. Oh, man. I'm sure there are a lot of Mean Girls <laughs> lines that get quoted to them. Do you think the Olsen twins still get like the you got it, dude? Oh, for from sure. Full House? A hundred percent. I do. think that partially might be the reason why they didn't want to do the reboot. <laughs> That's right. Like, right? no, they, everybody already knows our line. Yeah. So back to Inigo Montoya and the Six-Fingered Man. Inigo gets into the room that the Six-Fingered Man is in, and he gets nailed in the chest with a dagger. The yeah. six-fingered man just whipped it at him. And we have this, like, as the audience, you're like, oh, my God. It's, He's going to die. Is this? This is it. He gets stabbed, I think, in the shoulder, yeah. too. It's Inigo Montoya's last moments, we think. But then it's. <laughs> and it's fairytale land. And then it's fairytale land. And the six-fingered man tries to stab him again. And literally with no effort, he doesn't even move his <laughs> whole body. He just moves the sword. Boom. Parries him. Parries the other side. And then he keeps on repeating the most iconic line in this film, he says, My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And the six-fingered man is like, stop saying that. <laughs> and then eventually, Inigo Montoya, and he's telling the six-fingered man, like, offer me anything. Offer me money. Offer me fame. Offer me fortune. And the six-fingered man keeps on offering him things. And then eventually he's like, Offer me everything I ask for. Anything you want. <laughs> I want my father back, you son of a bitch. 
and he dies. Ooh, so satisfying. Okay, so another thing I noticed in this scene, when he's stabbing him in the shoulder, you'll see the type of swords they had were like ones that like went into each other. So oh. they like, <laughs> you can see that it, it kind of like cuts Like those it. high school theater props yes, yes. swords that just fold in on themselves. Yeah, they fold in on themselves. And then you'll notice like the breaking of the, the scene. It'll go back to it and then there's blood there. There wasn't blood there. And then there's blood there. <laughs> Quite funny. I love it. So then we go to Buttercup and Buttercup gets to the honeymoon suite um, after being dragged there by her new mother-in-law and father-in-law the king and queen and she takes a knife and she's about to take her own life when Wesley, you know, is lying in the bed waiting for her. Who's in the bed? It's Wesley. Yes. He somehow brought himself over there. Carrie always in this scene. Yeah. Is he not like, like I actually get shocked by how charming he looks. He's dreamy. He looks very dreamy. Doesn't he? Mm -hmm. And him and buttercup are having a moment. And then Prince Humperdinck arrives. This was almost my best scene. Because Humperdinck says, we'll fight to the death. And Wesley says, no, we will fight to the pain. And at first you're like, what even does that mean? And that's what Humperdinck says. And then he goes on this long monologue of what fighting to the pain means. To the pain means the first thing you lose will be your feet below the ankles. Then your hands at the wrists, next to your nose. The next thing you lose will be your left eye, followed by your right. And then my ears, I understand. Let's get on with it. Wrong! Your ears you keep, and I'll tell you why. So that every shriek of every child at seeing your hideousness will be yours to cherish. Every babe that weeps at your approach, every woman who cries out, Dear God, what is that thing? will echo in your perfect ears. That is what the pain means. It means I leave you in anguish, wallowing in freakish misery forever. It's like, I'm surprised that is not one of the most iconic lines in the film. Maybe because it's so long and drawn out and it's really, but it was, dude, it's back to the whole, like this film does not take itself seriously. It slaps. Until it does. Yeah. And when it does, you're like, oh shit, like this is actually so well written. He convinces Humperdinck to just withdraw, you know, put down your sword. I'm going to tie you up. Humperdinck. Thought he was bluffing, but didn't know for sure. And as soon as Inigo Montoya comes in, yeah. Wesley just like flops over. <laughs> and then we realize, oh no, he's still feeling the effects of torture. He was not going to win a, a duel. No, but, but he, he talked himself a, out of it. He won a duel of wits, Sarah. We have Wesley and Buttercup. They ride off into the sunset and they the ultimate kiss happens. That's a good kiss. Oh, it is that a good is kiss. a good kiss. If we had MTV Movie Awards Best Kiss... They probably this would have been won. the runaway winner. I, I don't think we had them yet at this point. Uh, another quick fun fact, Carrie Elways and Robin Wright, they were so reluctant to end their time filming this uh, movie mm-hmm. that they kept on requesting retakes of. Because they just wanted to make out with each other? Probably. Well, a little bit because they wanted to make out with each other. <laughs> the, this implies that they're like, we just don't want filming to end, but really... They just ended up kissing each other over and over again. Be like, oh, no, I, don't, I don't think that one was right. We, we got to do another one of these. Well, I'm glad they redid it so many times because it, it is perfect. <laughs> it is. And that is our film of The Princess Bride. Quick facts. This movie was shot on a budget of $16 million. In 2016, the film was inducted into the National Film Registry, being deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. The movie's poster was inspired by Maxfield Parrish painting Daybreak. 
William Goldman came up with the title of the novel based on what his daughters requested in terms of ideas for his next novel. One suggested he write his next book about a princess, while the other suggested a book about a bride. Then coined the title The Princess Bride for the novel. During the filming of some scenes, the weather became markedly cold for Robin Wright. Andre the Giant helped her by placing one of his hands over her head. His hands were so large that one would entirely cover the top of her head, keeping her warm. (laughs) When asked to name his favorite thing about making the film, Andre the Giant replied without skipping a beat, nobody looks at me. He felt he was treated as an equal without people staring at him because of his size. And it's true. They never really, like, he's just there as a giant person, but nobody ever remarks like, whoa, oh my God, you're a giant person. Like, it's just, he's just there. He just exists. When Count Rugen hits Wesley over the head, Carrie Elways told Christopher Guest to go ahead and hit him for real. Guest hit Elways hard enough to knock him unconscious, lacerate the top of his head. Production was shut down for the day while Elways went to the hospital. Oh my God. Robin Wright and Carrie Elways were smitten with each other during the filming, naturally helping their chemistry in the movie. Elways said that he couldn't concentrate on much of anything after that first encounter with Robin. Mandy Patinkin claims that the only injury he sustained during the entire filming of this movie was a bruised rib due to stifling his laughter in his scenes with Billy Crystal. (laughs) His attempt at holding back his laughter is obvious from his facial expression during the line, This is noble, sir. Writer William Goldman was on set during one of the flame burst scenes in the forest when Robin Wright's dress caught fire. Although Goldman knew this was intentional, he was so caught up in the moment that he shouted, Her dress is on fire, thus ruining the take. Mandy Patinkin has said that the role of Inigo Montoya is his personal favorite over the course of this of his entire career. Rob Reiner and Andrew Scheinman recorded all of Andre the Giant's scenes on tape with Rob doing Andre's lines. During rehearsals, Andre would walk around with his headphones with that tape playing all the time. It worked great and they didn't even have to loop his lines. The R.O.U.S.s have been referenced in multiple video games, including Borderlands 2, Fallout New, Ve- uh, New Vegas and World of Warcraft Legion. Despite his character Fezzik's almost superhuman strength, Andre the Giant's back problems at the time prevented him from actually lifting anything heavy. Robin Wright had to be attached to wires in the scene where Buttercup jumps from the castle window into Fezzik's arms because he couldn't support her himself. Dread Pirate Roberts exists in real life. Bartholomew Roberts, also known as Black Bart, operated in the Caribbean in the early 18th century. Many considered him the most successful pirate of all time. Most of the movie was filmed on location in England. The castle used for the film was Hawden Hall, a fortified country house, not a castle as such, that dates before uh, 1087 when it was listed in the Doomsday Book. The tapestries in Hawden Hall interiors are original, dating to the late medieval and renaissance periods. There were no shrieking eels in the original novel. Instead, once Buttercup jumps overboard to escape her captors, Vizzini warns her of sharks in the water and fills a cup with his own blood and throws it into the water to attract them. Before filming, Wallace Shawn, Vizzini, had come to understand that he was the second choice to play the part after Danny DeVito, although there is some confusion about whether DeVito was actually seriously pursued for the role. He became convinced that he was wrong for the role and in danger of being fired at any moment. He was extremely nervous throughout the filming, and co-star Carrie Elways noted that he was visibly sweating during the Battle of Wits scene. He said to Rob Reiner that he didn't feel he'd get the part because he isn't Sicilian. Rob assured him that his voice was exactly the same as Vizzini's in the book. Am I wrong that that actually feels very on-brand and non-character for Vizzini? Like, 
he's just sweating in the scene and they're yeah. like, is he supposed to be yeah. doing that? And they're like, no. And he's like, oh, he's just, <laughs> just a very high strung man. Like, well, I guess it works. It's <laughs> very, feels like the character. Andre the Giant needed an ATV to get him to shooting locations and Carrie Elways drove him. On the first time driving the ATV, Carrie hit a patch of rocks as he was shifting gears, which caused his foot to slip from the clutch and eventually become wedged between the pedal and a rock. His left big toe was bent straight down and was broken, which he tried to conceal from director Rob Rayner. Eventually he had to confess and they worked shooting around his swollen toe and limp. You will notice in the scene right before Buttercup pursues him down the hill, he sits down with his leg extended because he wasn't able to put weight on his foot. In the next scene, when he and Buttercup head into the fire swamp, he has a strange hop in his step. Billy Crystal used his Saturday Night Live makeup artist, Peter Montagna, to create Miracle Max. Billy brought him photos of his grandmother to help develop the look and also brought in an uncle who had similar bone structure. The title of the 20th anniversary edition DVD cover is an ambigram. It can be read uh, right side up or upside down. At the time of the filming of the movie, Robin Wright was a regular on a soap opera called Santa Barbara. In exchange for allowing her time off to film this movie, they required her to extend her contract by a year. Uma Thurman auditioned for the role of Buttercup. She was thought not to have the classic princess looks for the part. Courtney Cox, uh, Meg Ryan, Alexandra Paul, Sean Young auditioned for the uh, role of Princess Buttercup. William Goldman claimed that Carrie Fisher was the ideal choice for Buttercup. I see that. Robin Wright was the last actress tested for the role of Buttercup. Christopher Reeves was uh, considered for the lead role of Wesley. Close-up of Peter Falk saying, as you wish, was shot in L.A. and is the only shot of the entire production that didn't take place in England. The video baseball game the grandson is playing during the first scene is Hardball, produced by Accolade Inc. in 1985. It was widely available in the mid-1980s uh, for the Commodore 64 computer system. It was a one- or two-player game, and the sound was not from the actual game, but was later added. Miracle Max asserts that love is the greatest thing in the world apart from a nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich, where the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes are ripe. In the book on which the movie was based, Miracle Max states that cough drops are the only thing better than love. <laughs> Florin and Gilder are made-up kingdoms, but they reference a single historical coin called both uh, the Florin and the Gilder. This is a subtle joke implying that the two kingdoms are interchangeable. Also, it implies that the film is set after the year 1252 when the coin was introduced. It also means that it was set after the year 1788 because they talk about criminals that are being sent uh, to Australia. This was Willoughby Gray's final film before his death on February 13, 1993 at the age of 76. The hold Wesley uses to knock out Fezzik mirrors Andre the Giant's sleeper hold from the, his early days in professional wrestling. The Princess Bride is Rob Rayner's favorite book ever, and he had to convince William Goldman to let him make it. Goldman was reluctant to let somebody else work with his story because it was his favorite thing he'd ever written. The film tested better than every other movie of that year other than Back to the Future, um, 1985. Consequently, there seems to be some bitterness on William Goldman's part that it didn't make more money. He blames the studio uh, for not knowing how to sell the movie. Agreed. It's uh, budgeted $16 million, which is not much. And box office, it made $30.9 million. But I would gra gather like with reruns, with everything since, it's probably made a lot of money over the years. Big time. But just not at the box office. The movie was made into a video game in 2008. Mandy Patinkin, Wallace Shawn, and Robin Wright 
were the only cast members to return to provide the voices of their characters. Norman Lear had the rights to The Princess Bride and financed the film with his own money, which almost fell through about a week before shooting. Humperdinck's castle was built by William the Conqueror for an illegitimate son. It doesn't look this cool in real life, though. They added some fake spires and whatnot to, to spruce up the place. In the closing credits, it shows the production company as Buttercup Films. In the novel, Prince Humperdinck wanted to get married to Princess Norina of Gilder. Shortly after Norina's uh, arrival to Florin, a gust of wind blows the hat she's wearing off her head, and she's revealed that she is bald. This disgusts Humperdinck, who kicks her out of Florin, causing both kingdoms to become enemies and are on the verge of a war with each other. In the film, Florin and Gilder are already em enemies, and Humperdinck wants to go to war with them. The scene where Inigo prays for his father to help guide his sword so they can find Wesley was hard to film because planes kept flying overhead from Heathrow Airport. For Canadian fans, as Peter Falk reads to Fred Savage, he is drinking from a Hudson's Bay uh, Canadian mug. When the grandfather stands up and puts his jacket on after finishing reading the book to his grandson, he absentmindedly fumbles with checking his pockets for who knows what. We never actually find out. This combined with his stopping and turning around at the door are callbacks to his most famous role as the title character in Columbo. The script describes Miracle Max as resembling a 2,000-year-old man, a character created by Rob Reiner's father, Carl Reiner, and Mel Brooks. Carrie Elways later worked with Brooks on Robin Hood Men in Tights. Which was 1993, I believe, yes. so just a couple years later. Buttercup is continually referred to throughout the movie and in the film title itself as the princess, even though she is not yet married to Humperdinck. However, the grandfather states that Buttercup was born on a small farm, and Humperdinck states in his speech to the people that she was once a commoner. The reason for this discrepancy is that in the novel, the law of the land did indeed allow Humperdinck to choose his bride, and that bride was required to be a princess. Humperdinck overcame that obstacle by making Buttercup princess of a non-existent country, making her eligible to marry him. As You Wish is said seven times in this movie, four by Wesley and three by the grandfather. Inconceivable is said five times, and the famous line, my name is Inigo Montoya, is said six times. Say the full line. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Love it. William Goldman didn't plan on killing Wesley in the torture sequence, but found himself randomly writing a, a line saying that he lay there dead while in the process. After reading what he wrote, he then burst into tears and ran to the mirror. Honorable mentions. Okay, my honorable mention is the uh, the stages, like the stage scenes for everything, because they they had to have spent the majority of the money of the $16 million on... <laughs> On the actors. Oh, on casting, on for casting, sure. Yeah. Um, and things like that, because like I said, doing gymnastics and running, like you can see all of it, but I think that it, it just provides more charm to the movie. I love it even that much more, you know, the eels, the R-O-U-S's, like they're just hilariously done. I, I will talk more exactly on that in my What Should Have Been's, but I agree with you. My honorable mention is, and I talked about it a little bit, all of the memes from this film. This film is a cult classic, but specific moments have really lived on. In fact, had a life of their own on TikTok, social media, in memes. Let's go through them. <laughs> okay. When I love it. Wallace Shawn says, inconceivable, and Inigo Montoya says, you keep on using that word. I don't think that word means what you think that word means. Yeah. Hilarious. I think that's a sound on TikTok, actually. <laughs> um, another one I've seen so much is when the grandfather, this one's low-key, 
um, when the grandfather gets back to the story after his grandson interrupts him and he's like, where were we? Ah, yes, the pit of despair. I've heard that so many times. And of course, the most iconic line from this film, the most quotable. Your favorite. Well, it's everybody's favorite, Sarah. I know, I know. It's one of mine too. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. (laughs) Oh, like, yeah. I think my favorite is, I mean, I like that one, but I love Inconceivable. 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 Yeah. (laughs) What should have been? I don't have any what should have been for this movie because I love it so much. So I want to piggyback off of what you said because I also don't have any what should have been. And like we've talked about films on this podcast that are like extremely close to perfect. So much so that in those cases, we did not have what should have been. Mm-hmm. In this film, I think it's imperfect by design. Yeah. Like they made it that way. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the charm of it. It's like Napoleon Dynamite. Like oh it's kind of. I love Napoleon Dynamite. Right. It's <laughs> sure you could poke holes, but like the, the thought is that like this is what it is. And that's what's beautiful and hilarious and silly about it. And why would you change anything? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Robin Hood Men in Tights that. Carrie Elways will do mm-hmm. shortly yep. with Mel Brooks. That's the charm of it. Like it, in the same vein, it's, it's like a, it's a movie that's kind of silly and kind of ridiculous. And and in that film, there's one moment that I think is so hilarious where <laughs> Carrie Elways he loses a um, an archery contest and he's like, I'm not supposed to lose. And then somebody's like, check the script. And he's like, you're right. And they check the script. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I get another shot. And then everybody else in the crowd is like, oh, we got to check the script. And they they literally like pull from under their butts a script of the movie. And they're like, <laughs> he gets another shot. It's just so silly and absurd. The same with this movie. They're like, it's almost as if they're self-aware, right? Like they're, they're almost. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So to that end, like what would you change? I think if you changed anything, it would diminish I agree. The idea. I think for me, it's almost a what shouldn't shouldn't be is they should not try to remake this. There's Great been point. talk Great of point. it. Um, there's been talk over the years, um, certain things, and and it didn't add it to the quick facts because they really haven't gone anywhere. Good. Um, there's <laughs> been talk of some plays, like for Broadway. There's, I, I could see it being a Broadway, actually. Yes. Um, there's been talk of um of of them remaking it with a-list celebrities and things like that but I, I just think it would take away from absolutely everything and i don't i don't know i think i would watch it almost as a joke to kind of say no the original's still better i i like actually a broadway play just because like a lot of the set designs are very like you could see that being just yes. on a stage agree you know yeah. like that is a way that this could <laughs> for sure have a second life mm-hmm. and now overall rewatchability I mean, my rewatchability is really simple. I'm giving it five across the board and five. And I don't do, this is the second time this year I've done it. Well, no, I guess not the second time. No, It's February. It's February. I know. (laughs) No, but in the, this is the second time in the last little bit. But yeah, no, five across the board, five. Five out of five. It's a perfect movie for me. I love this movie. It's like a mix of like nostalgia because I've watched it when, you know, younger. And it's just like. Even watching it now, it's just as good, and it's so amazing. So I've got Chemistry 5, Storyline 5, Thirst Factor 4.8, Imagination 4.9, Soundtrack 4.75, Cheese a 5 for 5. Wow. Okay, like you set the bar so high with a perfect score. I'm giving this a 4.91, Sarah. Mm, mm Mm-mm. Too bad. That like 4.91 puts it on like the Mount Rushmore of rom-com greatness. This yes. is like a top 10 film of all time. 
What did you give fives? What, like in this right now? No, what did you... Oh, you all give? time. A Crazy Stupid Love got all fives, I think. Mm. Uh, 500 Days of Summer got all fives. This, this is definitely all fives. Okay, that's okay. I gave it a 4.91. That's good, that's good. Yep. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you think that's good because <laughs> I, I think it's great. I think it is... It's everything. It's iconic. It's timeless. It You could watch this film in 20 years and it'll still be funny. So good. And this has been the rom-com rewind of The Princess Bride. If you heard anything that you want to talk more about, you want to continue a conversation about, at Rom-Com Rewind on Instagram, even if you just want to chat. Sarah responds to all of our DMs. She's also got a TikTok account at Rom-Com Rewind. And uh, like we said off the top, hey, if you made it this far through the podcast, you probably like us enough to give us a review. Five stars would be lovely. Thanks for listening.